I give so I'm feeling lucky Cruising down the riverside West side of Kentucky Ooh, I'm feeling lucky I'm feeling All right, all right, all right, all right Folks, welcome back to the Jack and Zach Talk Cat Show This is episode number 10 of season 2 and I'm gonna go ahead and hit you with the headlines. You know what we're you know what we're coming off of here, uh, sort of. We're we're several days behind when we actually wanted to do this, but you know, that's how you that's how it goes with us. Here's the headlines in the Cats world: Tennessee beatdown begs the question for Kentucky football. Was 2021 the ceiling? John Calipari urges fans to be patient with this year's team. John Calipari sets a goal of 80 points per game for Kentucky offense. Kentucky's men's soccer finishes regular season undefeated for first time in school history. And finally, veterinarian reveals the four breeds of cats he'd never pick. Do you want to hear them? Yeah, I'd love to hear them. Okay, number one, the Bengal cat. Okay, uh, This one is a domestic and type of wild cat mixed in together. That's why he said that one. The Sphinx cat. This is the hairless cat. Nice cats, he says. Just prefers to cuddle with a fluffy one. The Scottish <laughs> fold cats, some kind of health issue there. And then the Persian cats, something about flat, how flat their faces are. That's what that's what he had to say. So I, I, here's what I'd like you to do, Jack. A little homework. Talk to the veterinarian. You know, see what she thinks about this guy's takes on these cats. I will indeed. I'll say this. One thing she has told me about the hairless cats is that there was a person she was at vet school with and their sole job at a clinic they worked at before they got in vet school uh, was to walk around and clean up the butt pucker marks from the hairless cat when it would set down on its butt. What? Yes, so the butt, obviously, on a cat may not be totally clean after they excuse themselves. Okay, okay, okay. Two things here. Number one, uh, that's crazy. Someone had the job to do that. Number two, uh, man, uh, first season, one of our episodes, do you remember <laughs> one of the funny headlines was, do cat buttholes do something like that? <laughs> remember that? The kid had a study <laughs> on it. <laughs> no, no, I don't remember that. He like he put lipstick on their buttholes to to see if they would leave marks on the floor. <laughs> no, I don't. Oh man, that's funny. Yeah, so uh, that's about all I know about those cats. Cats, okay. cats. We've had uh, an incalculable amount of them out here, so they kind of come and go. Pretty yeah. high coyote population. Lots of large birds. You'll have it. Yeah, I was about to say you will have that. Rubber fever runs rampant. Oh, Lord. Okay, well, we will officially hit up this headline here and talk about it. Because I, I, I read the headline, I was like, man, I, I hadn't even thought about it really like that. And I want to see what you think. And that was on that one about Kentucky football was the ceiling 2021. What do you think? No. Okay. Well, that answers that, guys. Thanks for talking about. <laughs> now, my answer may be for different reasons than other people's, or they they may say yes. Also, I mean, they may completely disagree. But 
I'm not completely convinced. You know, we have this discussion in basketball all the time, but I'm not completely convinced that the team last year was better than the Josh Allen team. Yeah, I heard that. I mean, first off, I think of all the players on both of those teams, Josh Allen's probably still going to be the highest person drafted. And he's probably yep. still – I mean, Benny Snell's great. Yeah, Chris Rodriguez, sure. I mean, they and they always talk about the receiver receiving core being so much better. But, okay, well, well what difference is that? We're not even throwing the ball to him. Like, what are we even doing? So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Of course, they're not comparing this year. But even last year, you just – you had two really good players with Will Levis and, and uh, Wandale. He complimented one another, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I mean, and do we do we not have that this year, but with two wild receivers, they're just, like you just said, they're not throwing it. Like, what? What's going on, man? Like you, you. When I was talking to you in that game, you texted me something about him being hurt, his hand being hurt, or something. And I haven't heard many other people talking about that. And I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if, if that is the case, or if Scangarillo really just can't coach him right. Because, but dude, let me tell you, I was I was getting so pissed off in that game. First down, second down, no matter where we're at on the field, they're just giving it to Chris both times. And then, all right. So sometimes Chris is going to turn something good there, but sometimes he doesn't. And then it's third down. They know our throw is coming. So, just like, why the hell are we not throwing ever on first or second down there? But he didn't even have 100 passing yards, did he? I'm not sure what he had. Um, even if he did, it was still a piss-poor performance. And yeah. as far as the play calling goes, I did disagree with a lot of the play calling or, or maybe just didn't understand why we were, were trying to do the things that – we were trying to do in the first place, but you know, I'll say this, man, like we, we as a people, human beings nowadays have gotten so quick to dismiss and, you know, so quick to just throw people away. And I still think that there are more games this year that I have been pleased with Rich Scangarello's offensive scheme than not. You know what I'm saying? So, and I think another thing would be true for me at least, and that is I think that Rich Scangarello has never coached a running back like Chris Rodriguez and that he really doesn't know what to do with him. Hmm. I also think it's a possibility that the offense that he runs is not necessarily complementary to our offensive line and what they can do or put, could potentially do to help Chris Rodriguez be more of a weapon. Let's not forget also that supposedly I've always heard and thought in my life when it came to football that you ran the ball until they could stop you or until you got a real good opportunity to make them pay for it, for defending the run. And so kind of what I mean by that is you run the damn ball and that's going to help you throw the ball. They're going to, if you run the yep. ball successfully, in theory, they should stack people in the box to stop your run game, which yet again, in theory, should open up your wide receivers or at least get them in man to man coverage, you know. 
I don't know. I think that some of that, some of those things are just principles that I, I think a lot of people in the football world would live by. Similar to baseball, where I've always heard, don't swing at the first pitch. Make them throw you a strike. Why in the mm-hmm. world would you just swing at the first thing that left his hand? But, so I, I, I don't get, to, I am confused by some of that. But I also, I think a lot of things can be true. And you tell me what you think about this. But I think it's possible for him to be a really good quarterback's coach and have done that, like, his whole life. Kind of like Mark Stoops was a great defensive-minded coach, great defensive coordinator, safeties coach, whatever. But when he came to Kentucky, it's the first time he had been a head coach. And so there were some growing pains there. And I think kind of the same thing with Rich Scangarello. You know, the dude has a lot of potential. So what he immediately comes in and does, you know, everybody talks about how good Liam Cohen was. And that's the part of this I want to ask you about. Everybody talks about how good Liam Cohen was, and he was good. I mean, let's, let's just call it what it is. We loved him. We wanted him to stay. I think if most of us had our way now, we wish that we could still have him. But we can't. But he had something Gorilla or that yeah, Scangarillo doesn't really have. He had a veteran offensive line. He had Wandale Robinson. He had Will Levis. He had Chris Rodriguez. What more could you ask for? Bunch of good tight ends, a fifth year tight end, a sixth year tight end, and a junior tight end that was really good. I mean, they're loaded. So is there that much difference? You know, do you think do you think there is that much difference between Scangarillo and Cohen? Like he's just far way better? Or are the players that he has this year just not as good at executing? He's got a bunch of freshman wide receivers too. I know they're great, but let's not act like people don't have growing pains. But but we didn't throw to him. Now that is that is a a common and an acceptable, in my opinion, complaint. You have okay. to get the ball to them. I agree with you there. And and if Will is hurt, if he can't do it, then he doesn't need to be playing, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You this is not the uh the what's his name, Lynn Bowden. You have two capable quarterbacks on the sideline. If he can't even throw a downfield pass, take him out of the damn game. Yeah. Well, fellas, ladies, I think we got some of y'all. Welcome to section, and by section, I mean segment number two of the 10th episode of the second season of the Jack and Zach Talk Cat Show. That's a mouthful. Yeah, it is. And segment two, Zach, what do you mean? It is like six minutes into the show. Well, Stuff happens, you know. That, that's how it goes with us. <clears throat> yep. You okay, bud? I tell you what, um, I could ship you some cough drops as an early Christmas present. I'll appreciate it, man. I've always got some kind of noodle going on, it seems. You really do. I would like to, uh, you're <clears throat> after you, and here I am having to clear my throat right after I say something, so. 
I guess I better keep my mouth shut on that. But yeah, uh, part two, segment two, whatever you want to call it. Uh, let's get after it. And we were last talking about the Tennessee game, and Will, I think the last thing we were exactly talking about was Will possibly being hurt. And if you were saying, like, if he is, don't play him, blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't know. I, I just, I was wanting to say more about that Tennessee game because I just, it pisses me off, man. Six freaking points. And I, I said the last episode we did, I, now I'm the one that, that always has a crazy prediction or blah, blah. But you would have also called me crazy if I'd have told you the ending would be forty-four to six Tennessee. Oh and, yeah, no, I I would have never guessed that. And I, because I mean, deep down, part of me knew this team, Tennessee team, is good. Mm-hmm. We're not what we thought we'd be, and mm-hmm. potentially due to some injuries and stuff. I'm expecting a loss, but I was not expecting to put up a whopping six points thanks to freaking. Missing a field goal too could should have been seven points. Good grief! Yeah, and and you know that the coaching staff felt the same way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say it's very rare that you go into a game and you expect to get beat forty-four to six. So it, it, I would say it was just as shocking for them as it was for us. Yeah, and I, another thing that bothered me though, it's like we we've had stoops for ten years. Mm-hmm. I believe is what it is. Tennessee is are they on their fifth coach since he's been here? They're at least on their fourth and they may be on their fifth. I don't know. I've lost track, but Yeah. I mean, they had some doozies come through there and you would think like I mean, maybe they got maybe they got it figured out now, but we're not expecting them to do what they've done this year. Yeah. I I, I was expecting us to be where they are before yeah. they got back to it. Well, and I, and I think that, uh, you know, we talk about the line being very fine, like between wins and losses sometimes, and that's true. And and really, when you get down to it, you could say that about any sport. But, um, you know, it would not have been super difficult for both us and Tennessee to have been unbeaten going into that game. Oh, yeah. And, and so, you know, it's. I hate to say that, like the world's falling because I don't think it is. But at the same time, it's almost. It's not a slap in the face. I don't really know how to put it into words, but it's just kind of troubling that Tennessee's been through this coaching carousel, if you will, and we've had Stoops who has done a bunch of good things, and I mm-hmm. think almost every UK football fan and some people that aren't even UK football fans would come in there and agree with us on yep. that. And so it's almost like, man, Tennessee's been through all these ups and downs. They've had this scandal where they've been in trouble multiple times for multiple different things with their players and their coaches. And they hire a guy and in his second year, he's more than likely going to lead them to a playoff berth. Mm-hmm. And so to almost like how have they been able to do this with a guy like him and we've had a dude like Stoops but we we're still kind of I'm not gonna say treading water being competitive but there was a time in the SEC where we really weren't even competitive mm-hmm. and, and we we are now but at the same time we're almost like middle of the pack competitive we're competitive 
and we're going to beat the bad teams, the good teams are probably still going to beat you, though. Alabama and Georgia are probably still going to beat you. You know, so I don't know. You know, in Tennessee, they got their ass whooped by Georgia, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, they did beat Alabama, who's now two-loss team. But still, you know, it's still Alabama. Oh, yeah. And and we will move on from this game that's two weeks ago, but I do want to say one more thing on Tennessee, and that's – I got a little bit of respect for him. Um, man, I'm glad I didn't watch the game from the get go. And I don't even know if this made it on the air at the get go, but that freaking T symbol they did and the the opening of that, yeah, before kickoff with the team running out. That's one of the dopest things I've ever freaking seen in my life. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't believe it's in Knoxville happening. Well, and that's and so that's another thing, Willis. Like they've talked about on the radio being cool and like reinvigorating ourselves and stuff. And I think the thing that really troubles me is it's not just one sport. Like we're basically talking about the same things in both of our major sports. Like we talk about big blue madness, like losing its edge. And we talk about other teams that we're playing having these big, like Ole Miss, what was it? A whiteout and then Tennessee. Yep all their cool stuff they did when we played them. And I'm not saying that we never do anything cool, but I I feel like in this situation, it's not a coincidence that we're having this problem in both major sports. And so when you look at it as what's the common denominator between the two, it's the athletic department. It's not Mm -hmm. the coaching staffs, obviously. It's not the players. It's it's not the fans. It's it's the athletic department, and I think you see some of that with some of this pullback on the collectives too. And then people like Mark Stoops coming out and saying, "Look, like if we're going to be competitive, we're going to have to have a backing of money." And and Mitch is not doing anything. I don't know. I don't, and I don't get off rambling, but if we're just talking about trajectories of programs. We've been on a good trajectory for a long time. Mm-hmm. But when somebody like Tennessee just picks the ball up and takes off. I don't know, man. I mean, it's so, disappointing. It is. Yeah, disappointing, for sure. It, it, as a fan, that that's a gut punch. And, and it doesn't help that you're their rival. And it doesn't help that, you know, they always beat us, whether we're good or not, you know. I don't know. It's disappointing. Really was. All right. We'll move on to the Missouri game, though. Bit of a flip of the script for Will. Still, some stuff pissed me off in the game, but he went from three interceptions versus Tennessee to three TDs. And and damn near doubled his yards passing. So Yeah, that helps. But still, I'm going to play calling, man. I think um, I, I think I think we've underestimated two things, or I, I have to say me. I think we underestimated. I underestimated the small differences, or what I consider relatively small differences, in um, in the play calling this year from last year, or, or how they're having to block the blocking scheme, like. Um, 
and then them being able to execute that. And we've talked about them winning and losing one-on-one battles and mm-hmm. uh, people being in new position. We've talked about all that stuff, so I'm not going to repeat it. But I think I underestimated the effect of those things happening on Will's ability to do his job. Yeah. When I watched that Missouri game, he – I played football, and I mm-hmm. only played in high school because I was – not good enough to play anywhere else any further than that. But when we felt like our quarterback was getting his ass whipped, that that motivated us. Like, we didn't want to turn around every time they blew the whistle and see him pulling grass out of his face mask. And I'm sorry. So much of not all scheme. And, and unfortunately or fortunately, either way you want to look at it, when I went back and watched the film, like the second time you see something, I feel like you pick up on things you didn't see the first time. Mm-hmm. And there are people, these people are just blocking air a lot of times. <laughs> I mean, we get to, we, we'd be getting blitzed from the outside and we'd have one or two people with their hands up, literally blocking air. Oh my gosh. And I'm sorry, Willis, your athletic ability and, and the scheme of the offense, the play call, the the ability of the wide receivers to get open or the quarterback to do his job, none of that matters if we're not going to block anybody. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've fluctuated on crucifying them and also giving them the benefit of the doubt, the offensive line all year. But I'll be honest, man, we're in bad shape there. And yeah. for, we're looking at some possibly some decommitments for from some people we've got committed. It's not good. I'll just say that. Man, I saw where Khalifa Keith decommitted. Yep. Yep. I think uh, I think we're we're taking some bumps, man, because we we had a, a, a pretty good season last year, winning mm-hmm. in ball games and uh, putting a putting a few players in the league and and having a quarterback coming back that's a stud and a, a running back that's the same. We are not recruiting like a team that has all of those things. Yeah. I mean, we're just not. Like, what are we, 40 or 50-something ranked in the rankings? That's piss poor. I, I mean, I'm sorry, but that's just piss poor. It's terrible. And you I, will not compete in the SEC with that. No. And I've heard them talking on the radio about this. Is is some of that to do with how Mitch has handled the NIL stuff? I think it is. But I, I don't think that they're necessarily like saying, oh, Mitch Barnhart sucks at Kentucky. We're not doing that. I just think that Mitch has like put the harness on these coaches and the boosters and stuff and said, these are the things that I'll say are okay, and these are the things I won't. Yeah. And I think largely, in my opinion, he's done that based off of his personal beliefs. And I think when you start doing that and and your personal beliefs don't line up with the majority of the people that you represent, then there's a problem. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, Willis, like, at what point – if things continue to basically go down, because let's be honest, the only reason that the basketball team doesn't have every fan breathing down their neck right now 
is because Cal has turned it. He's done like everything we ask of him. Yep. Mitch has done nothing for him. Nothing. He hasn't promised him new facilities. He hasn't given him a raise since the last time we spoke. He hasn't done a damn thing for Cal. Like, nothing. And I'm not necessarily saying that he should, but I'm just saying, like, Cal has the ability to kind of pull us up by himself because he's that powerful. Mm-hmm. And our fan base is so rabid about basketball, and we've got this great tradition. But football's not we're, – we're fighting an uphill battle, and we will be probably for the rest of our existence. And Mitch, I mean, what has he done? Like, what, what, what can we say he's done to help us? I mean, they literally, the Supreme Court ruled on this that, yes, NIL is legal and the universities must comply with it. And he's still, like, just doing the bare minimum to meet that. It's like, okay, dude, I know it's not what you wanted, but mm-hmm. if we're going to succeed, you better learn the rules and be able to play by them or you're basically ineffective in your position. Yep. At what at what point, Willis? At what point does the football team struggle enough where people say this is not Mark Stoops' fault? Like he's he's been the same dude, he's done the same thing, he's got the same lead recruiter that he's always had, and mm-hmm. now suddenly we're at a disadvantage. What 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 is the what's the answer there? I mean, and what does it take before somebody gets so pissed off? Like, does it take a, a bad recruiting class, a couple of bad recruiting class, uh, uh, you know, a, a bad year, a couple of bad years? Your coach is leaving, you know, Mark Stoops mm-hmm. leave. What does it take? You know, at what point do we wake up and say this is unacceptable for the University of Kentucky? We cannot fall behind like this. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Shit, I don't either, man. I do have one thing for you, though. And that's a cat of the day, cat of the day. Here comes that what cat of the day. I feel like we're about to transition into basketball, so just to backtrack to the Mizzou game, it had the potential to be like many other games in our past as Kentucky fans. Yeah. And blow it at the end and lose the thing in, in in many different ways. But then we had one guy. You'll have to tell me what he did exactly because I was I was working when it happened. But I've heard the stories. It's Colin Goodfellow, folks. What he did, what he took, he took a hit. And he's cat of the day for it, for helping us get that win. He, uh, he, he probably won the game for us, you mm-hmm. know. It's hard to say that because, I mean, we could have picked it off the next play if if they, you know, I don't know, any scenario. But I think the thing is, is that the the reason everybody was so awed by it is a it it took great effort. Like he he had to hustle, and it wasn't his fault to start with. It's not like he bobbled the snap or. He just wasn't paying attention. It flew by his head. No, like, it was the snapper's fault. Nothing new there. No, 
you're exactly right, which is a whole other, I mean, we could do, uh, <clears throat> we could do one whole podcast just on our kicking game. Yeah. And how terrible it is. Um, and that's not Mitch Barnhart's fault. And you want to start throwing some blame on these coaches. Um, now, I'm sorry, boys, but we played high school ball and we had we had a guy or maybe a couple that could snap consistently anytime you ask them to. So I, this, that's completely unacceptable to me. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, anyway, so it took a great amount of effort, but, but then also – uh, you got to be so in the moment and, and smart and, and dedicated to what you're doing and in tune with what's going on around you that you have the wherewithal to kick the ball because when you remain a kicker, you're kicking it into the field of play. Mm-hmm. When they hit you, that's a rough in the passer. And so him him getting that penalty for us, even though we didn't do shit with it and we ended up having to punt anyway, um, you know, it flipped the field. And mm-hmm. instead of them getting it at their own, I don't know, 20 or 30-yard line, whatever it would have been, uh, they got it at, at the opposite end of the field. So, And then, you know, of course, he was hurt on top of it. So... Big time play, and I I think that you know there's a guy that called KSR on Monday and talked about how they his family had met him at the golf scramble and he was such a good dude and you know I think most people are good people so it's, yeah. it's no surprise but still nice to hear and so anyway I, a good cat of the day. Did you Venmo him any money? What's that? Did you Venmo him any money? I did not. No. Um, you know, call me a traditionalist, call me an idiot, call me whatever you want to call me. You don't me. have Venmo, do you? I don't have Venmo. <laughs> so, uh-huh. it, it is going to be very tough for me to financially support him at this time. Okay. Well, we do appreciate you, though, Mr. Goodfellow. Gather back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, man. Uh, let's talk a little basketball. I, you probably don't remember the headlines because that was about a week ago. Yeah. Uh, about a week ago, okay. Um, they were Cal Perry urges fans to be patient with this year's team, and he sets a goal for 80 points per game for the Kentucky offense. Um, so far, I think he's he's a little off on the first one, and he might be on something with that second one. Well, what we put up a uh, uh, 95 on Howard, heck yeah. I would have laughed in his face if he had said that he his goal was to score 80 uh, before the first game. Just just number one, because I, I, I don't know a whole lot about our team yet. Yeah. But, but number two, because of our schedule. Our schedule is tough. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the, if you want to have, if you want to average 80 a game, then they got off to a real good start, I would say. Sure, yeah. So, um. I, did you, you you get to watch it or any of it at least? I I've watched some highlights, man, and I so I saw Toppin dunking it. I saw freaking uh, where where dunking it. Chris Livingston slamming it down. Yeah, man, and Frederick lighting it up too. He's he's got a game on him. And Wallace, of course, man. I mean, 
we got we got a squad, man. And we we didn't even have uh Oscar and we didn't have three people in the game. Oscar Collins and uh Severe. Severe, yeah. yeah, good God. Um so I, I they they looked awesome. To me, I, 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 and we've been talking about it. You know, I'm gonna preach it every time. I, th- I think we got an awesome squad there. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think there are a couple of things that are notable, and I'll run through them real quick. And they, these are just this is just my opinion. This, um, I think that as a whole, and I'm comparing them mainly to last year's team. Um, I think as a whole, we're more athletic. Mm-hmm. I think that. Uh, a lot of uh, basically at every position, you know, not, take out the guys who were on the team last year. But I think if you replace the people that were on the team last year with the new people on this year's team, that as a whole, they're they're more athletic. Yeah. And I think we see that with shot blocking. And I think we see that with being able to, you know, play defense. I, I think this team is better defensively, partly because of their size, but mostly because of their lateral quickness and their ability to, if they get beat, regain ground. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think that we are more skilled as a team. And there were two things that I thought solidified that argument. And uh, one of them, and this are, this may be my more favorite of the two, and that would be ball handling. I felt like I saw more people. Now, granted, we're playing how. So, I mean, like, everybody needs to slow down just a little bit. <laughs> but I feel like even if you're playing against the the Howard School for the Blind, um, Oscar doesn't need to be out at the point, you know, three-point line dribbling. Yeah. And I'm just using his, him as, as an example because obviously he didn't play. But I felt like that there were a lot more people that I would classify as being able to handle the ball than last year. And I think that that makes you, you know, a lot more – you have a lot more threats on offense because, like, Jacob Toppin, which yet again, playing Howard, but Jacob Toppin's bringing the ball up some. And I saw a player or two where he gets a rebound and he might be under the bat. He just brings it up. Well, I mean, I think that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, scoring is the second thing where I think we're more skilled, you know, definitely there. Antonio Reeves comes out and hits six threes and that's, oh, yeah. that's a record for, uh, you know, first, your first, uh, UK players first game. And I don't think he had a good game in the exhibition we had, but so, so it's good to see him bounce back here. Yep. Cause he did play good in the Bahamas, but the exhibition games, he was, he was a little subpar. So I, I think the ball handling and the scoring, like the ability to hit jump shots, mm-hmm. I, I think are both things that are improvements. Um, and I think going along with the shooting, it's not just jump shots necessarily, but it's three-point shots. And this, you know, I think you can spread the floor, which when Oscar comes back makes it even better. And since people are shooting from the outside – even if they're not hitting them at as high of a percentage as inside shots, mm-hmm. you have a tremendous rebounder. So shoot the ball. Here's my thing. And you can tell me what you think about this. And 
I'm not just throwing the kid away and saying, oh, he's garbage, get him away from me. But what I have seen out of Casey Wallace at the point guard, I like better than I do Severe at the point guard. I really do. Yeah, I, I expected that to come some point in the season from all of us, honestly, that and feeling. I, and I think that we – I think the people that feel like that are getting ready to be disappointed. I really do, man, because I feel like what's about to happen is they're they're gonna Kaysen will still play. It, if severe starts, Kaysen will still play. Mm-hmm. And the people that are gonna suffer are gonna be the CJ Conrad or CJ Conrad, my God, <laughs> are you kidding me. CJ Fredericks, uh Antonio Reeves, and Chris Livingston's of the world. And so the the point comes down basically to say, who would you rather have on the floor, one of those three people or Severe Wheeler? If Kaysen is still playing either way, well, (laughs) I'm sorry, but if they've got any defense in them at all, they've probably got more than Severe. It's not that he doesn't play hard or he can't get up in you, but you can shoot right over top of him. Yeah. So – if they've got any defense in them at all and they continue to shoot, I don't know how you play the kid. I really don't on that. I'm not saying he can't play yeah. to get somebody a rest or something or that he should just never play, but I, I don't know how you play him in a in like at the end of the game when it's down to the wire. I really don't. Okay. I'll play a hair of devil's advocate here. And maybe you don't play him down to the wire there, like you're saying, because you I mean you're gonna want Frederick and Reeves in there to possibly hit a three but one i'm mean, one thing about wheeler he's led the sec in assists the past two years so he's going to get these guys the ball too uh, he, he's definitely his job as point guard so i don't know I'd, I'd i'd love to see him lead it again this year too but I'd, I'd also just love to see us win so however we can do that it's, i want to do it yep and i agree with that and that is a good point and it's something that i oftentimes forget he's a great distributor mm-hmm. and I, and I think that his teammates like him, and I think they trust him with the ball, you know. And I'm not trying to, like, attack the kid. Oh, yeah, I know. Um, it's just I, I look at Casey Wallace, and I see Brandon Knight. And I remember Brandon Knight, the thing that made him so deadly was he could beat you off the dribble, but he could also pull up. So mm-hmm. you really had to honor him, like, Severe, I remember last year, and I, I haven't seen it this year, I guess, but because partly because he's been hurt, but they they would give a cushion, and sometimes they would even bring a big man out and have him stand, you know, between the three point line and and the foul the foul line, and just dare the man to shoot. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man, and you're right. Ultimately, I want to win. So whatever way we do that, most effectively. But I just feel like Cal, man, if there's one thing I'm going to pick on him on, it's like he he is scared to take a starter and put him on the bench. He just doesn't do it often. I mean, maybe I'm forgetting some people, but I can't think of anybody. That, well, I mean... They're I mean, usually the good players. Who who was a who was a starter that we felt like could have been replaced with somebody as good as they were? 
and he benched him for him. I don't think I can't. I really, I honestly, I'm. I mean, I'm thinking of people like maybe Isaiah Briscoe or you know people that were good ball players, obviously to be at Kentucky, but they might have had somebody behind them that was even better, and he refused. Or like the BJ Boston year. You kidding me? I know I know him and Terrence Clark, like y'all are going to the league. I get it. And you know, the season was basically a disaster period and we were never in it. And I mean, all those things are true, yeah. But you telling me that you win nine games, you're just gonna keep starting the same people? Why? Why? They can't shoot. Get them out. Get somebody else in. It's just not really his M.O., man. He kind of rides with his guys, and it's – Yeah. I mean, it's good and bad. It is good and bad, and that's definitely something that gets complained about often. But he's going to – he's got a squad with several to start, and if he wants to flirt with platooning again, he can. What, what, yo, you you gonna? Is he going to play? Dude, I'm so glad you brought him up. I I will never say that I'm glad Oscar is hurt. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say that I'm glad Ugana is getting these minutes because, yet again, how do you look at somebody like Oscar and say, well, I, I know you're like unanimous national player of the year and everything, but we're just going to sit you on the bench for about 15 minutes every game and let this guy that should be a senior in high school get some run just so he can test the waters. I'm sorry, but they don't do. If I was Oscar, I would look at the coach and say, you're not taking me out. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm glad the kids had an opportunity because he has far and away impressed me. Hmm. I mean, you think about the freshmen we've had, Willis, and then you go a, a, a little deeper into it. You think about the freshmen we've had that should have been seniors in high school. They're on always not capable of playing. Right. Almost always. Remember Hamadou Diallo? Scared to death. Shaden Sharp didn't even play. <laughs> Refused to even play. Scared to death to play. So, I don't know, man. I, and I, I think he's like, he may be the only really block shots like we need him to. Yeah. Because I feel like not only is he super long, his timing is great. He, which means he's quick because he can react. Obviously, the offensive player decides when he goes up, so he has to react to that. And it's it just seems like his time is great. I don't know. It's I could go on and on about that dude. Was his uh, stats on that pro day stuff? From a few weeks back? Or did he participate in that? You know, I think it was on there. I think. And that that might be worth looking up. You know, I think he's 6'11", maybe. Maybe 7 foot, I don't know. But um, he's super long. I mean, my God, look at him on the bench. Did you see him on the bench? Well, I guess not if you watch highlights. But at one point, he was on the bench next to Oscar. And I was like, dude, they're different. Like, this is this kid is not like they may play the same position, but there, this is. If you get him back next year with freaking 
DJ Wagner and reach this whole crew of people, Aaron Bradshaw, forget it. Hang it up. I mean, forget it. I'm telling you right now, man, we're about to go back to back. I've said it on the podcast before joking, but it's it's happening, buddy. Don't, huh? don't you jinx us, Will. I'm not going to jinx us. We got a squad this year, and we got another one forming, and freaking Uganda, I guess, will be back. Oscar's joked about it. He could easily come back. We're back. Then it really is over. Yeah. Because then you can even afford for somebody to have an injury and you're mm-hmm. still okay. Yeah, and we really might platoon again. Well, I don't know. I, if if Cal think if he if he really thought that he could win a national championship and that he might that might be his last year, then I, I think he might do it again. But it it did kill him in the recruiting. What's that? They always talk about, I mean, that's not what I've always heard, at least, that the platooning really hurt oh. recruiting because it wasn't appealing to kids coming to play college ball. My argument would be talk to the people that just went 38 and one. And yeah, I know. About it. <laughs> you said that, and I was thinking, man, wasn't that the last best class? Yeah. And I mean, I know, I guess we had a, well, Fox and them weren't even the best, anywhere near the best class, but. They just balled out. Oh, shit, man. We're talking about Oscar, though. Like, man, he's he's got to be one of the best things that have ever happened to Kentucky, especially in the Cal Perry era. He has to be. And they just literally feed off of each other, too, I, I think. Yep. Yeah. I think that in a lot of ways, he has he has softened Cal Perry. You think he softened him? I really do. because, And I mean that in a good way. I think when Calipari came here, the, this is the way I'm approaching this. They played a, a phone call from his first ever coach's show. And a lady named Josephine, who was a caller on KSR, has now passed away, called in. And he spoke to her like, I don't know, I just... Just like you would talk to your grandmother. Yeah. You know, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, you know, yes, ma'am, I'm going to do my best and all this, and we're going to make you proud and all. And you fast forward a decade and think about the way he talked to us during COVID and thereafter, and those two people are completely different. And then I think that when you have somebody like Oscar in there around you, well, this can be the same for, for people in negative areas of your life too but i think you can't help but have that rub off on you and then mm-hmm. like the blue white game the thing he, he's doing for this coal miner and yeah man I, yeah you not talk about that yeah you know he says tells the guy i think this just came out like maybe this weekend tells the guy that he's got tickets for whoever he wants to bring like his whole thing said bring them all aunts uncle doesn't matter bring everybody in your whole family and we're going to come get you on the team bus and drive you back to lexington you know those are the types of things right there that will keep you around forever Mm -hmm. you know if you treat people right and you do right by them and you let them know you love them then, I mean, I'm not going to say you can't do any wrong because winning is really what we all want, but it helps. 
mm-hmm. it goes a long way. And I think Oscar probably deserves some praise in him kind of rekindling that that soft spot of a flame, so to yeah. speak, for our fan base. I really do. I got what you mean by soft now. Heck yeah, man. Because I think he just got to the point where he was sick of our damn mouth. And, yeah. I, and I don't blame him. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a tough it's a tough gig. You know, we, we get expect a lot and when you don't meet the expectation you're gonna get your ass trashed like people are gonna fucking come up i'll try to throw a beep in there man people are gonna (laughs) come for you so i don't know i just i feel like we're in we almost done a 180 from Mm. where last year I think Coach K retiring, like how how much better we've been doing in recruiting, all of that matters. Yeah, I had almost gotten to the point where I was like, "Our recruiting is so dog shit." I'm not even really going to pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to say I'd lost interest, but it had slid down the totem pole some. It was not what it once was. No, sir, it was not. So. Um, one, one more thing, this is, it's not random, but we're backtracking to football just a little bit because we kind of talked about, uh, we kind of talked about the, the injury bug and, and what's happened kind of with, with basketball and football, both, but I wanted to go back and we talked a couple of weeks ago about people, starters that we were missing. And I have a little fun fact for Big Blue Nation. Uh-oh. And, and I'll, I'll ask you to guess. How many how many starters are we currently missing off our defense for football? Defense? Just take, just take a guess. I mean, it, I wouldn't have gotten it right if I hadn't looked this up, but I knew it was – I'll get this right. Uh, I don't, four. You're exactly right. Oh shit! <laughs> so there are nine starters. Yeah. Wait, what? No, I'm missing. I missed it's that. Eleven. Up. Seven. Seven starters. Oh, that <clears throat> that, that are that are still that are still starting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the four that are not. Vito Tisdale never even played a snap. Right. Jalen Geiger was the one that I asked you a couple of weeks ago if whoever got hurt had come back in the secondary, and neither one of us could remember his name. But he got hurt in the game against Florida and hasn't come out for the year. Jacquez Jones, when he got hurt, they said that he was doubtful for the rest of the year. And DeAndre Square. So He's hurt now? Yeah, he's been out. He he got hurt in the Tennessee game, I think. But anyway, um, so the injury thing got me thinking about that. I looked it up, and uh, but the, the, here's the flip side of that: you've got these kids out, but look at who's playing behind them now. So as follows: you have a red shirt sophomore, a junior, a junior, a red shirt junior, a red shirt freshman a junior, a senior, 
I don't know what that means, maybe grad school, a freshman, a junior, and a freshman. Those are your starters on defense. Uh-huh. So, so your defense should be good next year. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know Random he had been talking about basketball, but I <laughs> say it when we were talking about football. So. Uh, I mean, heck, they're good now. We talk about how good they are now. I didn't realize we've been losing a freaking player almost every game. Yeah. And and jo- Jacquez Jones and DeAndre Square are done. You know, if they don't play again this year, which they say Square will, but uh, they're not coming back. They They can't. And, and and you're and other than them, I'm only counting two players off your defense in the two deep depth chart that you are losing. Hey. So I do feel good about that defense next year, but our offense could be dog shit. All right, wait, let me let me take it here. Then we've we've talked about Oscar coming back, which it may sound crazy, but it's such a easy possibility. But, but this is out there, maybe. But is there any way you see Will and Chris both coming back, running it back one more time? It is possible. I don't. I don't think it's probable. Yeah. Because I don't think Will can. Man, I don't think. I think uh, when you're projected that high, you know, the reason Oscar may come back is because he could do the same thing over again, and his draft stock may not improve. Yeah, and he loves Kentucky. And he loves Kentucky, and he's making a shit ton of money here, which we'll probably yeah. do. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I could see Chris coming back and saying, "Let me break the record. Why would I go in the fourth? It maybe work second degree or something, and I'll hold all mm-hmm. the records here, and I'll get a full year in. And um, I, I could see that. I could see. I could see Chris coming back. Honestly, but we're in trouble. Go ahead. No, go ahead. We're in trouble. What? We're in trouble on this offensive line now. I mean, it, it's oh, that, line. okay. That's that's uh, you're you're gonna have Keontae Goodwin starting, and then Jagger Burton and Eli Cox. Then you'll have Jeremy Flax probably. Um, and so three of those have started this year. But you have to replace your right guard, and there's not a real sh- positive idea on who that's going to be. And your left tackle, Keontae Goodwin, because they refuse to rotate him in and play this year, will basically be like a freaking true freshman when it comes to game snaps. Well, that's stupid that they're not playing it more. Yeah, I agree, but... What can you do? And we've been on here entirely too long, probably already. So that may be something we have to talk about after the football season ends in January or December, whenever our bowl game is. Well, probably December with how we let it play out. I would say that's probably true. Bandy coming up, though, folks, it should be a win. Man, but Sto- did you hear Stoops today? He was like, you know, people need to prepare themselves. Vandy's a little better. And they're playing the freaking backup quarterback against us. Oh, that's, that's real good to hear. And for some reason, the Kyle Trask of Florida comes to my mind. We were just absolutely dogging Felipe Franks. And then Kyle Trask comes in and completely kills us. Mm-hmm. 
But anyway, yeah. Hopefully we'll get it up. Hopefully we do. That, that's one of the teams we used to be in the same category with. And we're not now, so that, that needs to be a W. So we're looking at eight and four. Yeah, unless we have a big surprise in a couple of weeks. We'll see. Yeah, well, I'm gonna be there for that one. Are you? You're going to the Georgia game? Yeah. Hell yeah! I hope we don't get freaking gutter stomped. Hey, we're at home. Maybe, maybe it'll be good. Yeah, yeah, maybe it'll be good. Better not be like the Tennessee game. Is all I got to say. Well, I saw, and I'm pretty sure you did too, what Georgia did to Tennessee. And I did see that. When I saw that, I thought to myself, oh, God, please have mercy on us. <laughs> there, We won't have a recruit left. <laughs> They'll jump ship. It's Khalifa Keith, man. That's crazy. I can't believe he decommitted. He had the name for Kentucky RBs, man. You know we've had three decommitments or something like that in the last yeah month, roughly. Something's happening. I mean, what is going on? Need to get it together. That's all I know. Yeah, I guess so. All right, guys. You'll hear from us again next time on the old Jack and Zach Talk Cat Show. Go Cats. Go Cat. What you talking about, Lucania?